This is the Innovator's Guide to the Future of Work podcast. I'm Hilary Doyle. Today, we're talking international growth with Kim Langan, CEO and co-founder of Spirit of Math. Spirit of Math is an elite after-school program that has parents lining up around the block to register their kids. After successful expansion across Canada and into the US, the company now has its sights set on India, China, and beyond. I'm chatting with Kim via GoToMeeting while she's on the road in Calgary. It's great to be speaking with you, Kim. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you. It's, it's nice to be here, too. I want to talk a little about the way in which Spirit of Math has expanded. Well, <laughs> it was more of a push from parents, quite honestly. It's a real grassroots business in some ways, mm-hmm. um, in many ways. And um, they kept coming and saying, look, we can't get these classes for our children can we start something ourselves? So this is when we decided to start franchising and we're just finishing our ninth year in franchising. 10 of our campuses are now franchise campuses. That's what pushed us. Kim, based on your experience, when is the right time for international growth? That's a very good question because um, oftentimes what I hear people say is it's alluring to want to expand overseas. Um, The right time for international growth is, I think, when you have a solid business going and you can take a risk. So don't do it if you are just sort of making it and it's good and you think things are going well. Make sure that you're able to be financially capable to do it because it's not just another ten or $20,000 just to get it going. It is a lot more than that, even for a small business to get going overseas. It's a lot more expensive. Talk about those costs, Kim. What are some expenses other business owners looking to expand internationally might need to consider? Getting a lawyer, getting incorporated, the trademarks, the copyrights, any patents. If you need something else done there for the legal side, (laughs) it involves the travel. It involves hiring other people who can help you out with the business to get it started, including whoever you need to help you with the financial side of things. So you need to hire the right people and HR as well. If you're a service company, that's huge. So that's financially and legally. In addition, I think another huge cost is time. You have the time to do that. If you don't have the time, then how are you going to multiply your time or how are you going to find your time? So a way to multiply your time, of course, is by hiring other people and then ensuring that your systems are in place because that makes your time more efficient. If you yourself have to go as a business owner, can you go away from your business? And it's not just in terms of the time, but it's also in terms of the expertise. Can the company work without your expertise while you're away and for how long. Okay, so if you can find the time and money for international expansion, I'm guessing the next thing to consider is how the business might need to adapt to new markets. Have you had to tailor operations as you've expanded into the U.S.? Actually, we've had to tailor our business to a market no matter where we go when we go to a different city, even within Canada. Mm -hmm. So yes, we have had to tailor in the States and in different areas in the States. There is definitely different cultures and different understandings and different values in every city. And the people who are in those cities, you just have to talk to them in a different way and approach it differently. What is driving your choices about the markets in which you land? Demographics and psychographics, they drive us quite a bit, looking at where the industry trends are as well, where the technology, medical services, where are the people going to be who would be interested in this type of program. 
and where are the values because that's the psychographics. And then also the other thing that really has honestly happened too is if there's been people there who are very interested in spirit of math, already know about it and already have some influence in their community, then we will use those people to get things rolling as well. You've mentioned that marketing needs to change with each new city. Can you walk us through how you go about adapting your marketing approach when you expand into a new location? So when we start into a new region, first thing we want to do is see if we know someone in the region because that gives us inside knowledge that there's no data out there that can give the same. We're looking for at least three to five people who can tell us a little bit about the region because they all see it from different perspectives. That's the first thing. Go to the area because what's different and what's similar are both just as critically important. Then we make adjustments from that point. When we went down to Dallas, it wasn't the same as in Richmond. You think, okay, we can we can market the same, but it actually wasn't. You have to use different wording. You have to use a different focus. The values change, so you have right. to uh, focus on the values and adjust to that. And what about those back office functions that customers never see? What are some of the critical details to consider when you're moving into a new jurisdiction? You do have to find out about the tax implications, for example, in the States. Um, (laughs) You know, there's a different tax for every county. So that's one thing you have to be aware of. Getting trademarks, for example, in, in India has taken us years to get our trademarks through and copyright through. So you have to understand how it works, but it's not necessarily that you just register. It's who do you need to talk to? Um, How do you get it moving forward? Banking has been a huge issue also, even just going to the United States and getting visas for different people because we're not all in one area. And a lot of the banks in the U.S. are not national. So you have to ensure that you go with a national bank. Um, right. So they can do the deposits in the area that they're in and they can have, you know, just, just little things that you just take for granted aren't there. What have you learned through these expansions that are just sort of general tips for business owners to keep in mind as they look to expand? Get to know some people really well before you go there, mm-hmm. wherever it is. And I know for myself, it's been about 15 years of networking before we even started in the United States. And what does that mean in terms of the sorts of people you're looking to meet? Business owners, I think, is is key because the business owners will introduce you to people who you need to meet because business owners have been through it. And it doesn't have to be in the same area that your work is in or that your business is in. I know business owners in almost every area of, of the economy. Let's talk about scaling. What do you need to keep in mind when you go from opening one international outpost to, say, 10? All right. So you need to know in terms of the scaling, it's not just a small single unit. How do all the units fit together in the bigger puzzle for that country? And once you know what that puzzle looks like, then you can fit all the pieces of the puzzle together. But if you don't know what that puzzle is going to look like, then you're going to be and a bit of chaos. So vision of the future. Yes, you do need someone who can see into the future and um, who can see how to put those things together. Okay, so what's in the crystal ball? How can other business owners plan for a future with so many unknowns? I've got a whole chart made up of the next 20 years, and this is what it means in all these categories of the company. 
what will we have to do if we want to have this many campuses and what regions and how many students will we have? And what will that mean with HR? What will it mean with the financial side of things? What will it mean in terms of even simple things like when we're having meetings and if we have international meetings, how is that done? You really do need to think through these things. You're never going to think of everything, but at least if you've got a lot of those thoughts down as you go through the years, it's fascinating to watch because most of it actually does happen. And if you've pre-thought it, then you know where your actions are going to go and other people will understand it too and they will see your vision and they will help that vision come to fruition. Well, critical question is, can Spirit of Math finally teach me calculus? Well, you know, another area that we are looking at is adult training because lots of adults are asking us for it. Consider me signed up. <laughs> Super, okay. Thanks so much for being here, Kim. It's, it's so interesting to hear about your experience. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a delight talking to you. That was my conversation with Kim Langan, co-founder and CEO at Spirit of Math. Find her on Twitter at Kim Langan. The Innovator's Guide to the Future of Work is brought to you by GoToMeeting. To try GoToMeeting free for 30 days, visit gotomeeting.ca and enter code INNOVATOR. Also, watch for other segments of this podcast as we dive into the challenges today's finest entrepreneurs are facing and the successful tactics they're using to scale their businesses. Listen to the series and learn more about innovation and entrepreneurship at futureofwork.gotomeeting.ca. Thanks for listening.